Hello and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly, the aviation maintenance industry. I am your host, Brian Wheels, and in this podcast, we're talking about our airlines abusing MEL deferrals and our MELs safe on aircraft coming up. And in this podcast, we're talking about do airlines abuse maintenance deferrals and our MELs safe on aircraft? And I received a concerned email from Marie in Illinois, and Marie is going to be traveling for vacation. And she asked about whether airlines and aviation companies abuse maintenance deferrals because she says that a coworker told her so. And is it safe to have an MEL on a plane and why? Marie, that's a very good email. Thank you for writing into the good, the bad, the ugly. I do appreciate it. That's a good question. So it's not uncommon for airlines to practice the art of maintenance deferral. And that's to ensure that the aircraft is used as often as it can be for revenue service. Now, what the operators or the airline's MEL is based on, and again, for those of you who do not know what MEL stands for, that is the minimum equipment list. The minimum equipment list, okay, it is derived from the master MEL from the aircraft manufacturer. And that is the primary source on which the operator's MEL is based on. In the master MEL, it covers all the OEM, the T-seed configurations for the make, the model, and the series of the aircraft covered. And for the operator's MEL, it is tailored to its specific fleet configuration and the type of operation that aircraft is going to be performing. As it applies to Part 121, 125, and 135 maintenance, all users of the MEL, they must affect repairs of inoperable items within the time specified on the category of MEL, whether that's a A, B, C, or D. And each of those categories of the MEL within that defines a time in which that item has to be repaired by. Now, before we move on, let me say this. It is perfectly safe and acceptable, and this is done on the line every day, mostly due to time constraints or manpower or tooling or parts availability. Now, even if, let's say, the part was available, sometimes the time it would take to perform the repair or replace the part would mean canceling or delaying the flight, and no one wants to do that. In manager speak, this is called cost avoidance. And there are instances, though, in which the aircraft experiences a issue again and again, and it's already been MEL'd. And since it's been MEL'd too many times, the aircraft is taken out of service, and that might delay or cancel a flight. But that is done because, again, there was an issue with the aircraft that occurred too many times within a specified period of time. And per the company policy, usually it's per the company policy, there's no longer an MEL option available for the aircraft, and that's for your safety. Now, there is a happy medium, if you would, into what's acceptable to fix, replace, or MEL to get the aircraft on its way, and what's not. And that is something that's clearly outlined by not only the FAA, but in each individual airline should have that should. I say that loosely because if you're new to this podcast, uh, there's some shadiness going on. And it's understood by the mechanics. Now, many good line mechanics, they're going to try their best to troubleshoot or fix the problem before resorting to an MEL. Because it's never fun to have to delay or go on an aircraft. It's not fun for the mechanics. Believe me or not, they do not enjoy it. And the crew definitely do not enjoy it. When an item is deferred and an MEL is applied to the aircraft, it's the responsibility of either the maintenance controller and or the maintenance planners to now ensure that that aircraft is routed back to a hangar for repair before the MEL drops or expires. Drops is just sling. What that means is expires. Now, if it's not done in a timely manner before the MEL drops or expires, 
The aircraft is grounded right then and there, and they have to send out mechanics to clear the MEL before the aircraft flies again. And there are times when the aircraft either it's at a uh, the next destination or even in flight when the MEL does expire. And that's not a good thing, and that's something that we do not strive for. And at that point, what happens is the manager or managers start the process of scapegoating. Because if an MEL item does expire in flight, what companies should be doing or what airlines should be doing is reporting that to the FAA, doing a self-reporting on that. Because that means that someone did not plan the repair of that MEL item correctly. And that does happen occasionally. Occasionally, okay? Now, again, I said there is a self-reporting feature that the airline or an individual even can use to lessen the amount of trouble that they can get into because they fessed up. And I'll talk about that in another podcast. And that brings us back to whether MEL discrepancies are fixed when they should be. And I would say yes, about 95% of the time they are and they're done correctly. Now, have there been issues with this in the past? Have airlines and aviation companies abused this in the past? Absolutely, they have. There have been several airlines and several aviation companies who have either signed off deferred items as ops check good, all is found good, or they further deferred the MEL past that MEL category fixed date. Around 2007, American Airlines, they were fined millions of dollars for inappropriately deferring aircraft. As a matter of fact, that was one of the largest fines in history that the FAA gave out. And I'm, <laughs> the FAA, when they rarely do do their job, like in this instance, it's because someone blew the whistle. And in this case, in 2007, that's exactly what happened. Management at American, they were pressuring and intimidating mechanics and inspectors to sign off deferred items as good. And American Airlines was accused of deferring the same MELs several times in a row. And so the mechanics at American, they filed an AIR-21 complaint against American Airlines in 2014 after they were retaliated against by management for whistleblowing. And that kind of started off the whole investigation between, actually it was 2006 to 2008, where the FAA was now getting all these reports from mechanics and then the FAA, they started investigating all this stuff. And because they were under pressure, the matter of fact, several of these mechanics were also writing to other government entities and letting them know that this was going on as well. And after the feds came in and they investigated this and they found all these issues at American Airlines and they find them a lot of money and they find them a lot of money because the feds already knew that word had gotten out. Had word not gone out, had no one blown a whistle on this it's likely that the the fine would have been a lot less or maybe even nothing. But uh, as I said again, in 2014, these mechanics, they decided, okay, enough is enough. I'm tired of being retaliated against, and they filed a complaint against American Airlines for that. And in 2017, United Airlines, they were fined $435,000 for not rectifying MEL items within an appropriate amount of time. And Alaska Airlines faced similar fines and scrutiny for not ensuring that some of their contract maintenance vendors were adhering to proper MEL procedures. Which, you know, Alaska Airlines, they did have some issues back in the early days. And I want to say they got a lot better. They, <laughs> they're definitely better than most, which brings me back to my top three most dangerous of airlines, Allegiant Airlines. Allegiant Airlines has done this many, many, many times in the past. I'm willing to bet you money they continue doing so. And if I haven't told you already, Allegiant Airlines is a shitty airline. 
And if you haven't listened to my podcast called Allegiant Airlines Shenanigans Ads Finest, I do suggest you take a listen to that. But again, Marie, even after having said that, that happens about 5% of the time. You're still safer flying on an aircraft than you are driving in your own car. You're more likely actually to die in your own car than you are on an aircraft. But that doesn't mean that safety should be any less of a priority in aviation. It needs to be more of a priority, which it, I know I say it, it's not because <laughs> it isn't, but I'm, <laughs> doesn't that sound awful? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I was going to say, ah, but you're fine, Marie. It, it happens about 5% of the time, which it does. Okay. But then after you just heard me say that, you're going to be like, ah, yeah, but that doesn't make me feel any better, which I kind of understand now that it might not. So, hmm. Marie, I think you're good. I I think you're good. I think you're going to make it there. And write me an email. Let me know when you get there safely, okay? And I'm going to say I told you so. How's that sound? (laughs) MELs, they are, again, perfectly safe. Does the application of some of the MEL tasks, do they get screwed up? Sometimes they do, and this usually occurs with mechanics who are not familiar with the MEL or new mechanics who have never done the MEL before. And I tell new mechanics all the time, if you've never done the MEL before, please come and get me, get someone else in the shop, let us show you how to do it because we don't want you to screw it up. And that does happen occasionally. And sometimes it's because of the technical publication or the MEL publication itself was very vague. And technical publications, they're revised all the time. And depending on the manufacturer, there are systems in place to contact a manufacturer and say, hey, your technical publication is pretty screwed up. I don't really like how it is. It's not really clear. And they are, they're revised all the time. So there's a bunch of revisions always coming out quarterly, at least, of uh, technical publications. Now, the chance is you're never going to know that the aircraft you're flying on has an MEL on it. And again, aircraft has so much redundancy built into them already that several MELs on a plane, they are common, and they're not going to affect the safety of the aircraft. Now, JetBlue, and I, I know, Marie, if you're listening to this, is not going to make you feel any better. Hopefully, you're not flying JetBlue or Allegiant Airlines especially Allegiant Airlines. That's my opinion, Brian's opinion only. Anyways, JetBlue, and this was back, oh man, when was it? 2016, I believe. They were caught having too many MELs on the aircraft. They were still fixing MELs. JetBlue was not just redeferring them or signing them off as good and they weren't good. They just had too many MELs on the aircraft and the feds came in and said, okay, we're going to limit this whole too many MELs on an aircraft stuff. And I forget what number they set for them. uh, The FAA told JetBlue, okay, you can only have a set number of MELs on the plane now. But it wasn't because they were not deferring them or not fixing them. They were. They were just stacking up too many MELs on a plane. And there there is a point in which there's too many MELs on an aircraft and it just is too much. Now, is there a regulation or a policy that says that there's 35 MELs on a plane, do you now have to take the aircraft out of service? None that I'm aware of. Now, there might be individual company policies, uh, internal policies, where if a plane reaches 28 MELs, is that too much? Now do we take the plane out of service? But as far as I can recall, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, folks, there's not a far and replace a federal aviation regulation that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now, I I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Again, correct me, folks, if I'm wrong, please. That says that you can only have X amount of MELs, but there are companies where an internal policy is in place that says you can only have X X amount of MELs on an aircraft and 
all that good stuff. What's the most amount of MELs that I've seen on an aircraft? Um, let's see. I think the most that I saw on an aircraft was 18. 18 was the most I saw on an aircraft. Marie, you're safe. Like I said, if you hear this, email me. Let me know you got to your destination okay. You're okay. The aircraft are very much more redundant than they were back in the day. You're safe. You're good to go. But that is MELs in short, folks. And if you would like to hear more about MELs or more particulars about MELs, there's a few interesting tidbits of shadiness that does go on elsewhere along the realm of minimum equipment lists. But I can get into that in another podcast. Feel free to reach out to me, write me, let me know. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, or if you want to share your stories or your experiences live on the podcast, reach out to me at apmechanicpodcast at aol.com. You can also find me on Twitter at goodbadugly underscore AMP. You can also find me on Facebook, goodbadugly, AP, one word. And remember, new podcasts second Wednesday of each month. And check out the podcast merchandise store. I added some new stuff for the new year and take a look at it. And please remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. I do appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys tuning in to listen to yet another podcast, the second one of the new year. And until next time, everyone, take care and be safe. We'll see you.